The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanakas, Fakata, Jag, like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. Kokomo Friday and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today presented by Line and Kugels. More on their fantastic variety of beverages later on in the podcast. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Where do we start? There is a lot to talk about. Corbin Burns versus Lance Lynn. Who is better? Who would you rather have rest of season? Week three pitcher and hitter planners. Take a few trips around the country. Colorado, Minnesota, and Houston check in on all of those teams. The Yerminator strikes again. Yerman Mercedes is a time to drop Marco Gonzalez and so, so, so much more. But let's get things started. Take it away, Susan. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Chris, where are we going, man? You're first up. Oh, my goodness gracious. Player of the day or night. I, I spent, so I work during the day. I usually log on around 11 a.m. Um, and usually work until about six. And then I come on and do the podcast at the end of the night. It's a normal work day. Don't, don't give me crap for, for starting so late. Um, and today I was thinking like, maybe I'll, you know, maybe, you know, RJ white don't listen, but maybe you know, I'll, I'll play a little hooky, you know, go see the Mets Marlins game Mets home opener. So I was looking for tickets. Couldn't find any that were cheap enough. So didn't end up going. And boy, am I glad I didn't because <laughs> I mean, like an all time bad, umpire decision to end that game. And look, I don't know if you watched it. The Mets had the bases loaded bottom of the ninth two, two, one run game. The Marlins were going to lose anyway. They stink, but Michael Conforto got hit by a pitch on his elbow pad that barely grazed him. And it was in the strike zone. And Ron Culpa watched the replay and still gave it to him, even though Conforto leaned into the pitch and it was in the strike zone and the catcher caught it. That is an all-time bad umpiring decision. The oh my goodness gracious play or person of the day is Ron Culpa's just historic blunder. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with this. It's like Chris just told a great story and he hasn't mentioned a player yet. So as the, the, the rare umpire. Oh my goodness yeah. gracious! And don't add him to your umpire fantasy team. That's I, I almost sure. made a. Re- I almost said it was an all-time boner, referencing <laughs> Merkel's boner. What? The, uh, the you know you know Fred Merkel, nineteen oh eight World Series. Oh yeah, I was there. It wasn't a World Series. Oh, and I'll pen it. But I thought you know people might people might not be mature enough for that reference. If you want an actual player, how about Byron Buxton? 
Sure. I mean, I was going to take away Anthony Bass from that, but we'll, we could talk about him a little bit later on anyway. He stinks, basically. But tell us about Byron Buxton, Chris. Uh, he's awesome. He is a superstar. He's going to win American League MVP. He's got, what, four home runs in five games. Uh, this one was only 393 feet. Uh, his previous ones had been well over 400. So, you know, he's it got four only 393 runs. feet. It looked a lot deeper. Yeah, it looked it? like he killed that ball. Yeah, it was 109.6 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, he had two over 105 today. Look, man, he might get hurt at some point, but Byron Buxton is an incredibly talented player. Uh, the I believed in the home run increase that he showed over the last two seasons, and so far, uh, I, I like to think he's turning some some doubters into believers. But I'll let the the doubting section uh, <laughs> chime in on that. Yeah, three bad balls at least ninety nine miles per hour today. Byron Buxton is absolutely ridiculously locked in right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think there's any reason to question the power anymore. I I wasn't sure what to think of it coming into the season. Uh, I, I think if he stays healthy, he's going to hit for power. I do have questions how much he runs. I do have questions what the batting average looks like. You know, so presuming health, which is a lot to presume with him, I think you would have to admit even as somebody who doesn't like to discount players because of health concerns. Yeah, just don't run into the wall. That's all. <laughs> uh, you know, the range of outcomes is uh, something in between, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, I, I don't know, like a, like a Fran Mill Reyes and a Luis Robert, maybe, if he stays healthy. So, I mean, that's obviously a good player. I'm not sure if it's going to rise to the level of like fantasy stud. I mean, Fran Mill Reyes with 15 stolen bases would probably be like yeah, a, I, a third I, round pick. Again, I, I he has one stolen base so far. Buxton does. So, you know. He hasn't had many opportunities. Right. He has no I, singles. He has four I wasn't, I wasn't saying that to discount the steals, but it's more he stole two bases in 39 games last year. Sure. So, you know, not even a pace of 10 for that season. Um, but, you know, obviously stolen bases can come in bunches and he has been a 29 steel guy in the past. So he's awesome. We'll see. Scott, your top standout or someone who was just really bad from Thursday. That's a standout. Sure. My, my oh my goodness gracious player is uh, going from the home run that was deceptively short to the home run that I guess was deceptively long because it Buxton's looked better off the bat to me. But <laughs> Yermin Mercedes hit a 480-foot home run today. 485 feet. I mean... it Like, it seems fake. <laughs> it does. And it, <laughs> like I said, it was deceptively long because off the bat, oh, I mean, it looked like it was gone, but... Uh, 485 feet, Mike. And, you know, he keeps he keeps hitting. He had another hit in that game. He's batting over 500 for the season. Uh, I believe he has just three strikeouts on top of everything else, and he always showed good plate discipline in the minors, too. Clearly, he's capable of hitting the ball really, really hard. I'm surprised how low his average exit velocity is to this point. I don't know if it's... I know the, the whole package is kind of reminding me a little of Ty France, and I mean that mostly in a complimentary way. But, you know, meaning he was awesome in the minors. 
he's been most you, Ty France has been mostly good in the majors too. But you look at the average exit velocity and you're like, that's a little weird that it's that low. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I I don't see how Mercedes is still available in like 40 percent of CBS sports leagues. I think that needs to change immediately. I have him as the number one sleeper hitter for this upcoming week, and the White Sox don't even have particularly good matchups. I just you know was trying to be honest with myself. Would I start him over these guys that do have good matchups? And yeah, I can't. Obviously, the fact Mercedes is DH only presents an issue. If you have Nelson Cruz or Jordan Alvarez or Giancarlo Stanton or whatever, you're not going to start him over those guys. But somebody in your league should be starting him. And if that's the reason you haven't added your mean Mercedes by now, just add him and figure it out later. I mean, if he continues to mash, you could trade him away for something else or you can trade away one of those other guys and just get a ton of value back. So, and also great nickname. I mean, he is fully embracing the Yerminator, which is, I mean, come on, how can you get that? It's, it's awesome. I will point out uh, one, and this is true of any average this early in the season, especially when you're talking about an average of like average exit velocity is basically can be any value between zero or one. I guess you can't have a zero mile per hour exit velocity one. And there's, Theoretically, no limit, but probably like realistically, it's like 123, I think, is the hardest hit ball of all time uh, in the stack cast era. But a, there's a lot more opportunity for like a 48 mile per hour hit ball. And uh, Mercedes does have three batted balls hit under 48 miles per hour that are really dragging his average exit velocity down. Um, because the average is 89, those extremely low ones are 86 for him. His median exit velocity, he has 20 batted balls. Um, his 10th hardest was 92.7. His 11th hardest was 91.4. So his median exit velocity is a lot higher than that, which means more of his batted balls, 13 of his batted balls have been at least 90 miles an hour. Yeah. So, so. that's that's more impressive than a, you know, he's 24th percentile on ag- ex- average exit velocity, 35th percentile on hard hit. He's had like six batted balls between 90 and 95. So, you know, I think the average exit velocity probably doesn't tell the story here. And I have a group of hitters that I wanted to ask you about, you know, should we be dropping these guys for your mean Mercedes? And look, if you have a worse hitter than this, of course, drop those players. But some people might be in a situation where these are their worst hitters. And we talk about Andrew Vaughn every day. Scott, what Mercedes has been is basically what we wanted Andrew Vaughn to be. And, And Vaughn has only started four of eight games Mercedes has started six of the last seven. If Vaughn is your worst hitter, would you drop him for Mercedes? The only format I can see dropping Andrew Vaughn is in is a head-to-head points league where you just you need hitter. It, the bench is so small, and you need it, it filled with so many pitchers that you just can't afford a bench hitter. And the lineup's so small, you can't have a part-timer in your lineup. Like I, I could see Vaughn getting forced off your roster just because of that, but I don't want to drop Vaughn. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think I'd do that if, except maybe in a head to head points league where I knew I could start Mercedes right away. Just give me a yes or no for these. Would you drop CJ Cohn for him? (laughs) Um, uh, no, no, probably not. Crunch awful. Bobby Dahlbeck. Yeah. Yes. How about Ryan Mountcastle? Hit his first home run on Thursday. I would drop him. I would drop Mountcastle for Mercedes. Yes. How about Boom Boom Mancini? No. No, probably not. Last but not least, Carlos Santana. Definitely not in a points league, for sure. 
Um, and I don't think so in Roto. Yeah, it's a closer call in Roto, but I, I don't think so either. I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit here, and I don't really know that there's much of a takeaway, but I feel like we have to highlight these guys at the top because they were just so awesome on Thursday. And the first complete game shutout of the season goes to Lance Lynn. Five hits allowed, zero walks, 11 strikeouts, 17 whiffs on 111 pitches going up against the Kansas City Royals. And Corbin Burns, I'm just going to marry these two together. Corbin Burns at the Cardinals, six shutout, one hit allowed, zero walks, nine strikeouts, 18 whiffs on 86 pitches. I think the most impressive start of Corbin Burns' season has been that he has 20 strikeouts to zero walks. That was the biggest issue for him last year. And what held him back from going deep into starts at times was, was that you know he would get a little wild. And so, so far, so good. 20 strikeouts uh, to zero walks here for Corbin Burns uh, through his first two starts. Scott, who would you rather have? Rest of season, Corbin Burns or Lance Lynn? I put up a poll before we started the pod- podcast, and um, I will update you on that after you answer the question. Len. Still I'd rather not have the workload concerns. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I did move Burns just ahead of Lynn in my update on Tuesday, and that was before he made another start. That was absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lynn might throw 30 more innings. Um, he might throw 100 more innings. Lance Lynn has <laughs> he might, a pretty, might be more than 30. Yeah. Out, outside of the one time he had Tommy John surgery, I think Lance Lynn's been you know, 200 innings or pacing to that every season. Um, depends on your risk tolerance, but I, as good as I think Lance Lynn is, and he's my number 16 starting pitcher. So I think he's pretty good. Um, Corbin Burns just looks like a, like he's on a different planet than anyone else right now. I mean, he, in his first start, he was throwing his cutter harder than he threw his four seam fastball last year. And he threw his four-seam fastball really, really hard last year. He had a 96-mile-per-hour average velocity on that. Uh, his cutter was slightly uh, less high today. It was only 95.4 miles per hour. That's still 2.3 miles per hour up from last year. And he threw it 50% of the time. His cutter is his main pitch right now, and it's a pitch he can throw both four strikes uh, and for whiffs. I mean, he got 25 swings on 43 cutters today and hitters can't do anything with the pitch. Yep. It, it's kind of like how you Darvish has just adopted his cutter as his main pitch and he's throwing it 40 plus percent of the time. And uh, yeah, that's been the biggest difference as well for Burns outside of the command, which has been great. Uh, last year, he only used the cutter 31% of the time through two starts yeah. he's using it 49% of the time. So really leaning on that cutter is Corbin Burns. I put up the poll before we started and 628 votes in, 69% nice, say Corbin Burns. They would rather have over Lance. Rest and of course, nobody's yeah. ever excited about Lance Lynn. I just thought, you know, if we're going recency bias, they were both awesome today. It was yeah. like, we both saw them be great, probably about as great as they can be on Thursday. So I, I'm that disparity is too much for me. I think, uh, I think I would still take Corbin Burns in both formats, but. I could see why in a points league you would want Lance Lynn over or over Burns. Well, I, I mean, Lynn is. We all started out with Lynn higher. Yeah, yes. slightly, so, slightly for me. Yeah, to me that that no that, that makes both perfect awesome sense so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I just 
as a more broad point, I just wonder if like more pitchers shouldn't do the you Darvish slash like I'm not saying everybody should throw their slider or their curveball 50% of the time, but like four seam four seam fastballs and sinkers are usually pitchers' worst pitches. They on the whole, they tend to get hit harder, they have worse results. Pitchers throw them to get strikes, they throw them because they have better command of them, but like I don't know, man. If you can throw a pitch like a cutter consistently for strikes, it's probably a better idea than throwing a fastball as your number one go-to pitch, unless you're Lance Lynn. You know, I I was thinking about that same exact thing today, Chris, and and more so because we were talking about Matthew Boyd last night and how I said less is more for Matthew Boyd. His fastball is just not good, so he should throw it less. But then I, I think there's this sequencing factor that comes into play where you still kind of have to throw your fastball just oh, sure the other pitches. So I think that comes into play yeah, but to, to overall everything. Right. That, but, but what I'm, yeah, I'm arguing that like if you have a cutter, right. You know, especially a, close to a fastball. Yeah. A pitch that you can yeah. throw with command. Cause I think that's why people throw their fastball as much as they do. It's the pitch that they feel they have the best command over. And that's probably true for most pitchers. Well, that and you need something to change the speed off sure. of. Right. So you need that. You need that fastest pitch. But I mean, along these same lines, talk about a guy who's actually highly available in fantasy. Uh, I, I really like what Griffin Canning did today. Talk about him. Three earned runs in the first inning. So, you know, got off to a, a rough start, but only one run the rest of the way. Went five and a third innings overall. Seven strikeouts. 16 swinging strikes. 12 came on the slider that, remember, the pitch yeah. he was missing for most of last year. He threw that slider 48% of the time. Twice as much even as we saw him throw in his rookie 2019 season. So that's an example of a guy who recognizes his best pitch and just starts throwing it a lot more. And that was the key to the core, uh, the Patrick Corbin breakthrough a couple years ago with that same pitch, the slider, just making it his primary pitch basically. And, uh, you know, I don't know that canning necessarily needs to do that, but even the, other than the foreign runs, I mean, even the fact he walked just one guy throwing that many breaking balls, I think is, is, uh, impressive. And, uh, he's only 52% rostered. So I think, quietly an exciting pickup there. The 2021 Masters is underway and the First Cut Golf Podcast has you covered with round-by-round coverage after every tournament day. Rick Gaiman, Kyle Porter, and the First Cut crew are breaking down the odds the odds board every night and bringing you analysis from the grounds of Augusta National. Go join the First Cut Golf Podcast, available wherever you are listening to this podcast. Some news and notes. All right, Chris. You giveth and you taketh. Byron Buxton has been awesome. Cattell Marte was awesome, and, and unfortunately, he lands on the I.L. with a right hamstring strain. Tim LaCastro was in center field on Thursday with Josh Van Meter at second base, and Geraldo Perdomo at shortstop. No sign of Josh Rojas, who sat out two of three games in Colorado. Thank you for all the deeper leagues where I started him. Tim LaCastro, in his career, 251 batting average, 27 steals. So if you play in a deeper league and you do need some speed, LeCastro was out there. Um, guys, among the second base and outfield eligible players that are available under 70% rostered, I'm looking at names like Jorge Polanco, Jonathan India, Nick Solak, Starling Castro, Luis Arise, Manuel Margot, Akil Badu, Garrett Hampson, uh, Cedric Mullins. If you're trying to replace Cattell Marte, which one of those do you like most? Uh, India. 
probably uh, under 75%. Now he's up to 61 now, uh, but the kind of start he's off to, and I love the plate discipline. He's probably my favorite. Garrett Hampson, I mean, you're I, not... I struggle so much with it. <laughs> I understand. And like, it, it's not a... Di- it's not somebody who's going to replace what you lost in Cattell Marte. It's just he's up to four steals now, and he's added yeah. first or second five straight games, I think, for the Rockies. Still question whether or not he's good, but he's hitting well right now, and he's not striking out much, which is a big reason why he, he wasn't uh, able to do much at the plate prior to this year. So maybe this is the year. I mean, it's not like... He has basically one full season's worth of at-bats, Garrett Hampson. And he's, I, you know, four steals. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I think Rymel Tapia, actually, in that same Rockies lineup, like, if I could only have them in course Field, especially, <laughs> I would feel pretty good about it. Um, I probably agree with Scott's order, India, Hampson. I think I would go Badu third. Um, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to play every day. Although it kind of seems like he needs to at this point, given that they, you know, don't exactly have good players. Yeah, I think he's building to that. And actually, I would go, unless you specifically needed steals, I would go Badu over Hampson. I, I, and I didn't Badu know I could be a, good, Badu could be a, a decent steal source. You know, not what yeah. Hampson could be if he plays every day, but yeah. the thing with Badu that I really like is obviously it's a very small sample size. And, uh, you know, I think you, you fairly worry that his approach will get exposed at some point because he is lacking experience although his approach in the minors was actually not bad it's not like he didn't no, was, strike out a that ton. was the main that was the main thing he did in the minors was get on base a lot the thing that i'm most impressed about and the thing i want to see when you're talking about a small sample size and this applies to Jeremy mercedes as well is does he have major league caliber skills and i think badu has answered that um that doesn't mean he's going to be a major major league caliber player the rest of the way but um, you know, he's hit the ball hard enough multiple times now that, um, you know, I, I think he's at least proven that he belongs or that he has the skill set to eventually belong. And now it's just about whether the tools can continue to play up if the approach allows it. But uh, I, I'm very, pretty excited about a kill Badu. Yeah, me too. And the two home runs that he hit were both to the opposite field too. So I, I like the bat control that I've seen from him thus far. I agree with Scott. I, I would probably put India at the top of the list. Garrett Hampson close. I, I like Nick Solak. I've I've been a Solak guy, so he's probably second. And, and just in terms of next week, he has seven games. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Uh, so I do like Nick Solak quite a bit. Zach Gallen threw 67 pitches on Wednesday. We previously reported. Well, we didn't report it. We reading the news here. Hold it about. Uh, <laughs> we told you about uh, he was supposed to throw 80 pitches. So he did get up to 67 uh, at the D-backs alternate training site. And he threw at least one curveball in each inning, uh, which was the pitch that he felt pain in his forearm. So it was good to see that he's uh, throwing his curveball pain free again. That is Zach Gallen. Max Kepler left Thursday's game with an apparent injury, but told reporters afterwards that he was fine. Uh, Tommy John surgery. God, this is sucks, man. Uh, has been recommended for James Paxton and I brought up the name yesterday, Scott, and I, yeah, I've it's growing, it's growing on me. I'm getting more excited. I think we could see Logan Gilbert, not within the next week or so, but late April, early May, 25 percent rostered. I'm pretty excited about him, man. I, I I'd be trying to stash him. Yeah, maybe. I you know obviously if they call him up that early, they're gonna have to do things with his innings later on. 
So Call him um, and Kelnick up at the same time. Come on, Scott, let's get it. I, I think Kelnick could come up then. And look, Gilbert could come up then. I I just I'd bet against him being up that early. They have they have other guys they could plug in to just eat some innings while they, they wait for what I think they will think is a more appropriate time to call up Logan Gilbert. And I would argue the Mariners more than most teams probably have an incentive to wait until well past the various soft deadlines for calling players up, given that their president right before the season publicly, not publicly, but now publicly admitted that they were manipulating service time with those guys because they wouldn't sign contract extensions. And, uh, you know, I, I think they would probably like to avoid some, uh, some grievance uh, things. So yeah, he uh, minor league season, I think is supposed to start like the first week of May. I would guess we, they're going to let him pitch in the minors before we see him is what I would guess just based on some kind of, you know, let's do some game theory analysis. Boo. But you're probably right. Former first round pick again, Logan Gilbert back in 2018. He had a 2.13 ERA, 0.95 whip, 165 strikeouts and 135 innings pitched across three different levels in the minors in 2019. Matt Olson was back in the A's lineup after sitting out the last two games with a knee contusion. George Springer was diagnosed with a low grade quad strain. Uh, late April looks like the earliest we'll see Springer at this point. Trevor Rosenthal, another one. Guy rejuvenates his career and just unfortunate news. He underwent thoracic outlet surgery on Thursday. He'll be re-examined in eight weeks. Uh, maybe he makes a late season return, but I, I am very doubtful in that regard. Sticking with the A's, they place A.J. Puck on the I.L. with a left bicep strain. Uh, poor guy just cannot stay healthy there either. Framber Valdez. Dealing with a fractured ring finger in his pitching hand has resumed a throwing program on flat ground. This sounds like progress. We keep getting reports, but we are getting no timetable. So <laughs> continue to really, I, I kind of assumed he was further along than this, actually. So yeah. I you know, throwing off flat ground, that's still weeks that's like away. early early February stuff. Yeah. So Scott, what are you thinking here? Uh four to six weeks? <laughs> <laughs> It's like yeah, every injury, sure. every injury is four to six weeks. Every every uh, every place you want to drive to is fifteen minutes away. I think we're all four to six weeks away. That's right. Yeah. From from being four to six weeks away, Josh Donaldson is dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, he could play in simulated games this weekend. Colton Wong played on Thursday, but re-aggravated an oblique injury that he was dealing with. Uh, if you play in leagues where you set your lineup for the weekend, you may want to get him out of there. And the league is cracking down on who? Trevor Bauer, per Ken Rosenthal, an article that he wrote on The Athletic. He had this to say, the umpires in Bauer's start on Thursday collected multiple balls he threw during the game. According to major league sources, the balls had visible markings and were sticky and were sent to the league offices for further inspection. It remains to be seen whether the league can prove he was responsible for the application or whether any punishment will be imposed by Rob Manfred. So I'm not a fan of Trevor Bauer, but look, if we're going to do this again for him, you've got to do it for every pitcher, right? So I don't know if anything's going to come from this, but it is a very talked about story right now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, the thing is like not every pitcher wrote a story before last season saying the only way I know how to increase the spin rate on my fastball is by using foreign substances to enhance my grip. Uh, And 
you know, it's, it's kind of like a preemptive, if I did it book. Um, but yeah, like this doesn't matter. Like, okay, maybe they suspend him for one game. I, I highly doubt they're going to just like police it all the time. They'll figure out, he'll figure out a way to, to hide it better if he needs to. Like, I, I don't think they're, I do not think major league baseball wants to make a big stink about the guy who just signed the largest contract in history for a pitcher on a per uh, season basis, like being a, a fraud. Exactly. Yeah. So look, Eno Saras wrote an article about this last year and he said, you know, basically every pitcher is using something or close to every pitcher. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, I was, I was curious cause I was thinking back to like Michael Pineda with the pine tar on his neck. Remember mm-hmm. that was a 10 game suspension that he got. So yeah, you listen stuff. for a, a turn in the rotation. Yeah. Basically they, they, you know, they could, he could appeal until it makes sense and then he'll lose one turn basically. All right, before we get back into the rest of Thursday's action, I do want to hit the week three pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels. Scott, why don't you get us started with some two-start pitchers that you are looking at heading into week three? All right, two-start pitchers. Nathan Avaldi, who had a great start on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. Or Wednesday afternoon. Someday, sometime Wednesday. Uh, at Minnesota versus the White Sox. The matchups aren't great, but I think he's great. I think Nathan Avaldi's great, and uh, I would put him in there for two starts for sure. Um, Casey Mize at Houston at, at Oakland. Again, the matchups aren't great, but that one might be more of a points league situation, just getting the extra volume in there. Uh, Kyle Gibson, we're getting pretty deep now. He's 16% rostered. Obviously great last time out, but horrible in his first start. And the track record isn't good, but uh, I, I do think when he's on, he has good swing and miss ability at Tampa Bay versus Baltimore. Some pretty good matchups there. And uh, Jake Junis, who I talked about yesterday, he's only 4% rostered in CBS Sports Leagues, so you can pick him up anywhere. I wish the matchups were a little better. Definitely somebody I'd only turn to in a points league. But uh, I like that he's making two starts this upcoming week versus the Angels versus Toronto. So, yeah, I had a, you know, mostly high-end two-star pitchers this week. So high-end you wouldn't even think about sitting them. So less, that, that means fewer sleepers to choose from. I had a few other names that I wanted to ask you guys about. Matthew Boyd. I like what I've seen. Don't love the matchups at Houston and at Oakland. 64% rostered. Chris, what do you think about Matthew Boyd there? I don't love one of the matchups. I think at Houston or at Oakland is is probably okay. I, yeah, I wouldn't start him in a roto league. I still don't trust it. But in a points league, like I'd rather have him than Justice Sheffield. I think I'd rather have him than I don't know about Casey Mize. I, I think I would trust him more than Casey Mize to go six innings. Um, yeah, but so he might give up. Six home yeah. runs. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Casey Mize hasn't like I, I like no, him. I, I like the I vol- the velocity increase, but you know, you got, what, I don't six I don't, swing strikes. I don't really believe Matthew Boyd has figured it out. I guess is what it ultimately comes down to for me. So unless it was just amazing matchups, I want to I want to touch that, and that's why I'm still avoiding him in Roto. How yeah. about uh, Dane Dunning, Chris at Tampa Bay versus Baltimore? Thirty percent rostered. Maybe more than Jake Junis, but not. I, I don't love it. 
I like the matchups, but he did only throw five innings in his debut. Yeah, that's that's a concern. Yeah, he's one of those piggyback guys they have at the end of games where they're not even treating them like true starters. Or at the back end of the rotation. I mean, they have like all but the last two spots in their rotation are really like four guys that are going to piggyback each other. And Dunning is one of them. You need to be careful. Three names in deeper leagues, Chris. Wade Miley at San Francisco versus Cleveland. Aaron Sanchez versus the Reds and at Miami. Dean Kramer versus Seattle and at Texas. Any interest there? Miley, Aaron Sanchez, Dean Kramer. Man, probably not. But like Miami's offense looks so bad right now that I think you you kind of have to consider Aaron Sanchez in a deeper league. But Cincinnati's offense looks about as good as Miami's looks bad. So I don't uh, I don't feel super great about it. All right, Scott, hit us with some single start pitchers that have good matchups for next week, or even if they're not great matchups, if they're pitchers you just like, what do you have? Well, I mean, obviously, they have to be available in a certain percentage of leagues. I limit myself to guys rostered in seventy in less than 75%. So that's, you know, the main criteria here when I'm picking out advisable starts. Um, Drew Smiley, 57% rostered at the Cubs. Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez all homered Thursday. So they might be getting on track, but obviously that lineup got off to a miserable start, and we saw Smiley go first in, uh, six innings in his first start, which shocked and amazed me, I know. Uh, Carlos Rodon, 72% at Boston. It's kind of an iffy matchup, but I don't think I don't think it's enough to scare me away from using him. Logan Webb at Miami. That's obviously a good matchup. We'll see Logan Webb's second start over the weekend. The first was so-so. How the second goes might actually determine whether you want to use him at Miami. But in theory, that's a good uh, good matchup for him. Steven Matz at Kansas City. Are they a good lineup? Or are they a bad lineup? Griffin Canning at Kansas City. I just talked about him earlier. Chris, I have a few more here for you. Just give me a yay or nay. You starting these guys or not? Dylan Cease versus Cleveland. No. Sean Manaya versus Detroit. Probably not. Jose De Leon versus Cleveland. Ah, yes, in a points league for sure. He's RP eligible. You say Kikuchi at Baltimore? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Anthony DiScalfani at Miami. Uh, probably not. Anthony- I don't think Kikuchi's going against Baltimore. Oh, no. I certainly would have picked him out if he was. I think he's going against Houston. Mm, I don't makes think a our, Yeah, I, I don't think uh, the default settings there accounted for the six-man rotation. Maybe it's not a six-man rotation anymore, but I'm assuming it still is. Even All right. Paxton out. So make sure to check your league. If you say Kikuchi is facing Houston, probably don't want to mess with that. Against Baltimore, that's a little bit better. Scott, some sleeper hitters you like for next week. Okay, sleeper hitters. Uh, well, I mentioned I starting your Mercedes, of course. Uh, I I, th- I think Jonathan India is really in the same category of I don't love the matchups, but he's highly available, and I just don't see how you sit him right now. So those those are near the top of the list for me. Akil Badu kind of in the same boat. Some question as to how much he'll play, especially since there are. There are two lefties on the schedule for Detroit in a seven-game week. I feel pretty good he's going to play five or six games. So I'd get I'd get Badu in there. Michael Taylor, I like the matchups a little more for the Royals. So uh, he's f- only 44% rostered. The best matchup, the team with the best matchups this week is the Orioles. 
And uh, Cedric Mullins off to a good start. Now a full-time left-handed hitter. Uh, you look at his splits, you can understand why that's the case. He used to be a switch hitter. Not so good from the right side. So this is probably a, a better situation for him. And he's off to a good start. So, you know, I don't know what the upside is really. But if you're just talking about a week, uh, a guy to stream for one week, I, I put him on the list. Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe, uh, the Rangers have good matchups a seven-game week. There are three lefties. Now, he'll probably play against the lefties. Will he perform against the lefties? I'm not so confident about that, but you know, off to a good start, obviously, and I like the matchups. And Scott already referenced one of the teams, the Orioles, but the five best teams in terms of hitter matchups are the Orioles, the Mets, the Phillies, the A's, and the Astros, and the worst teams in terms of matchup, worst hitting teams, are the Cubs, the Pirates, the Red Sox, the Giants, and the Rockies. So there you have it, the week three pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels. And you know, the summer is coming. The weather is heating up. A few weeks back, Chris and I met up. We played a little wiffle ball. Yes, he struck me out. I got a hit off of him, though. And then we grabbed a few drinks afterwards. And you know what we were drinking? That's right. A nice line in Kugel's Summer Shandy. It's this awesome blend of crisp beer with refreshing lemonade. Perfect for a warm, sunny day sitting back and enjoying some baseball. And the Summer Shandy isn't all they offer. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, but it's only 99 calories. And if you're into IPAs, Line and Kugels offers their Lemon Haze IPA, which is a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. So no matter what type of beverage you are craving, Line and Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to Liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com for more information about all the delicious beers from Line and Kugels and where to find them. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening on the audio side, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, take a little trip out to Coors Field. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. We already spoke about Garrett Hampson. He went one for four. He had another steal, his fourth steal in two days, and he was leading off against a right-handed pitcher this time, Merrill Kelly. 48% rostered is Garrett Hampson. I wanted to ask you guys about two in particular who are widely available. John Gray, he took a no-hitter into the seventh, against the uh, Diamondbacks, six and two-thirds, one earned, four walks, five strikeouts. And Dom Nunez, shout out to Scott, he was all over this one, went one for four with his third home run of the season, and he has started four of seven games for the Rockies, all against right-handed pitching. Dom Nunez is rostered in just 7% of CBS leagues. Scott, yeah. any excitement about... We know you like Dom Nunez. Uh, he should be owned in all, rostered in all two-catcher leagues. What do you think about John Gray? I'm not so sure Dom Nunez is going to be rostered in one catcher leagues at this point. I mean, he's he'd be at the back end there. But if if they're starting him against every righty and he's playing half his games at Coors Field, it'd be nice to see him get a hit that's not a home run. But <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, the other guy you're asking me about, Gray. Uh, yeah, I look. He's not as bad as he was last year, but I think we also know who he is, and it's 
you know, the course field just limits his upside so much. It limits his upside so much, prevents him from being anything more than this this streamer type. Do we have to do we have to address it every time? <laughs> I was gonna say John Gray is my text- phone went off. I don't know who's texting me at 1230. <laughs> I'm not a popular person. This is it's just it's uncanny how often it happens during the pod. I'm not getting texts throughout the day, you know? Like just I, I swear it's I swear it's not me. Oh. It was you, as a matter of fact. <laughs> no, it wasn't. The delay because it was sent that to was the group. forty minutes yes. ago. Chris Towers, have you sent the link? Question. That was that was the text. That was over an hour ago. That was. I tell you not to send me group messages, and this is what happens. It was you, Chris. <laughs> You're sabotaging the show. That I mean, means, I know I should just silence it, but whatever. My text that I sent back to Chris should be coming in within the next. Oh, okay, let's <laughs> silence that minute. then. No, leave it silence. on. Come on, we'll have yeah, some. Put your phone. Come on, your phone's got do not disturb mode. You just set it. At, I got mine set. I don't know for how to do that. <laughs> You're I, not that old, Scott. Make sure you get Dom Nunez in all two catcher leagues. John Gray, uh, he's looked. He's looked all right thus far. His next two starts are at the Dodgers and at home against the Astros. So even if you pick him up, I don't think you want to start him. Let's go over to Target Field and Minnesota. We already spoke about Byron Buxton, so we will skip on past him. Luis Arise hit a three-run home run. Not really known for his power. 35% rostered. He has seven games on the schedule next week. Jose Barrios, uh, he was fine against Seattle. Five and two-thirds, two earned. Eight strikeouts. You really like that, but only nine whiffs on 99 pitches. And the fastball velocity that I was very excited about in his first start of the season was back down to 93.5 miles per hour. So down almost two miles per hour from his first start. Uh, Chris, thoughts on uh, Luis Arise? He could be a Cattell Marte replacement. He's going to give you batting average. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably own that. Where did he hit in this game? I didn't see that. It was he hit ninth. Yeah, he hit so ninth. Now, that's the thing when he's batting lead off occasionally. Well, that was against a lefty today. Sure. Yep. Um, and he sat out against the previous lefty. His yeah. numbers against lefties are not good. He's a left-handed hitter. I actually considered him for the top 10 sleeper hitters for this upcoming week because I like that. He's mostly batting lead off. I like the start he's off too, but three lefties on the schedule for the twins, you know, no, no telling if he even starts those games. So I, I I couldn't I I don't think we're to the point yet that we can recommend a rise in a like a standard mixed league. But if he gets to playing every day and leading off consistently, I mean obviously yeah. that that would that would change things. Not much power there, not much speed, but batting average and runs are are worth something too. He could be uh I don't know maybe David Fletcher like in terms of how valuable he is. Yeah. It specifically as a Cattell Marte replacement, you know, he's not going to give you much power, but if, if you were depending on Marte for batting average, then that is something that Arise can help you out with. Uh, let's go over to Houston and just the Astros are, are they back? They, they seem pretty awesome so far. Uh, start off with Christian Javier who went five shutout against the Oakland A's three hits, two walks, seven strikeouts, 11 whiffs on 88 pitches, and the velocity up across the board here. Fastball up nearly two miles per hour from last year. The slider up nearly three miles per hour. Scott, I didn't really know what to make of Christian Javier entering the season, and so far, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I had him pegged as kind of a low-grade bust because somebody who outperformed his expected stats and his XFIP, which I guess counts as an expected stat, by such a considerable margin and uh, not... Didn't show a lot of bat-missing ability. 
But, you know, I don't know. Really strong minor league track record. And the velocity is up, as you pointed out. Uh, he, he had a curveball in this start. And it, like, it was just fastball slider last year. The curveball, too. 27% slider, 17% curveballs. I'm not sure it's especially effective. You know, his, his most effective pitch in the start was the fastball, as is usually the case with him. But, you know, at least he's, he's, he's trying to diversify the arsenal. Let's see if it amounts to anything. I'm skeptical, but, you know, he probably deserves to be rostered. Jordan Alvarez and Carlos Correa had two hits each. Both hit their second home run of the season. Jose Altuve hit his first homer of the season. He is batting 310 thus far. Chris, is it too excited to get ex- to? Uh, is it too excited? Is it too early to be excited about your Astros hitters? In particular, Alvarez kind of looks like Alvarez. This is an incredibly talented team that had a bad couple of months. They crushed the ball in the postseason. I don't think it's too excited because you should have been pretty excited about them. This is a, a team with a ton of high-level talent. And, you know, Carlos Correa in particular is just absolutely crushing the ball. He's average exit velocity right now on 19 batted balls. 19 batted balls is 94.7 miles per hour, which is just a ridiculously high number. And, it is worth noting exit velocities are up across baseball, uh, about one mile per hour on average. You're seeing, you know, at some point we're going to get used. To, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna contextualize and stop. Like, you know, Chris Bryant had his hard, hardest hit ball in three seasons, or you know, I've seen a lot of that on Twitter, and like that's happening because of the ball. Yes. Um, that being said, Carlos Correa does have his hardest hit ball since 2016. And it's not like by one mile per hour. His hardest hit ball since 2016 is 112.8 miles per hour. His hardest hit ball so far this season is 116.4. That's a a big difference. And um, I don't know. He's awesome. Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez, the only question is health. You know, if as long as he's healthy, I think he's going to absolutely demolish baseballs. And I think pretty much the same thing about Carlos Correa. So, yeah. I think the uh, the Astros are pretty good. Yep. Correa in a contract year. And, you know, there's been some reports about, you know, Correa wants to get paid. He wants to get his money. The motivation is there. I I was pretty excited about him coming into the year. It's He's another one. Correa just needs to stay healthy. That's been the one of the biggest issues for him the past couple of years as well. Should we drop any of these starting pitchers? Marco Gonzalez was rocked at the Twins. Four and a third, nine hits, seven earned. He has now alert, uh, allowed 12 earned runs over his first two starts. He is 89% rostered. Scott, would you be dropping Marco Gonzalez for know, any of the sleeper pitchers we brought up? Griffin Canning is someone who just looked pretty good. Would, would you make a move like that? I think it's the kind of move you have to consider m- making just to maximize your roster space this time of year where there's way too many players you're interested in picking up. I suspect Marco Gonzalez will be worth rostering for the majority of this year and and maybe miss out on him. Uh, But he's a guy who, there are limits to his ceiling. I've always wondered what exactly makes him good. It's discouraging more so than the runs that he's allowed five home runs through two starts. That's that's not great. Uh, He'll he'll probably be worth rostering, like I said, but I, I, I I don't think he's somebody that's so good you need to keep him from falling into somebody else's hands. If like a Carlos Rodon is still out there or yeah, potentially even uh, potentially even a Griffin canning. 
Chris, I have two more starting pitchers here I wanted to highlight. Jake Arrieta, he's given you exactly what you wanted thus far. You wanted to stream him against the Pirates. He's given you a quality start in each, and he's given you two wins. He is 74% rostered, however, and his next start comes against the Brewers. Not really a daunting matchup, but he's Jake Arrieta, and we wanted him against the Pirates. The other name is Brad Keller, who put up another stinker against the White Sox. Three and a third, six hits, four earned, three walks. I know that you said that, I think it was last week that you would drop him, but he's still 56% rostered. So Arietta and Keller, are you okay dropping either both for any of the pitchers we keep talking about? Kikuchi, Trevor Rogers, Rodon, Canning, any of these guys? Definitely. I would be fine with dropping either of them. I, I don't think Jake Arietta or Brad Keller are the type of pitcher you're likely to uh, regret dropping. Like even if they have a, a decent season, it's you're not going to see the either of those guys give you, you know, it's unlikely either of them is a must-start pitcher, whereas Trevor Rogers could be. Uh, you say Kikuchi could be. Drew Smiley could be. So, uh, yeah, Brad Keller or Jake Arrieta, totally fine to drop. If you are listening or watching this podcast, you should also do the same thing for Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. Uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, you can also find FBT in 5, which is our five-minute version of this podcast it is a different podcast we talk about sometimes uh different things it's a spark notes version it's just whatever you need to know the latest updates players to add pitchers to stream bullpen updates everything that's going on uh in five minutes i was gonna say or less but we're never less than five minutes so uh fbt in five make sure you follow it and we also uh, put the videos up on youtube every day if you want to watch it there as well slow starts be gone the chicago cubs you referenced it scott javier baez with a Sock and a shoe? Yeah. I feel like someone mentioned smash and grab in the in the emails. I feel smash like that's the best one I've seen. Right? Smash oh. and dash. I like smash and grab. Smash and grab? Yeah, because you're stealing right. the base. Yeah. Oh. Well, Chris, you missed it yesterday. I officially retired sweet and savory. And then you know what happened on Twitter today? People were stick to your guns. We like sweet and savory. I was like, where were you guys the past, you know, however long that I was using it? And right. the, there is the, no consensus about anything. This is not this is what is, you don't is, understand. Usually, Frank definitely Frank definitely will have like three people on Twitter say something, and he's like, Everyone is saying this. That's <laughs> true. I uh, I mentioned it. I'm very I'm very reactionary look, with you, my fantasy teams with everything. You gotta either go with it's so bad it's good and ride with it like um, oh my goodness gracious exactly or you try to find something good all right which i think smash and grab is <laughs> well that's my suggestion we've got a bunch of emails that i need to look over with people <laughs> telling us what they want so by next week we'll we'll i'll have it all figured out i'm sure hopefully uh javier Baez, by the way he went two for three hit his second home run of the season on a pitch that nearly bounced it was ridiculous Javier Baez is the man. Uh, and he sold his third base of the season. He has three steals in the first week. So very encouraging there for Javier Baez. Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant each had two hits and a home run on Thursday as well. Rafael Devers off the schneid. Two for three with his first homer of the season facing Matt Harvey. Of course, that will help. Mitch Garver, we needed to see something. Two for four with his second home run. Three RBI. He has started uh, just four of seven games so far for the Minnesota Twins. Yoan Moncada. Off to a slow start as well. He went one for four, hit his first home run of the season. The rest of Thursday's action things that I wanted to highlight. Taiwan Walker. This is actually pretty interesting and should have mentioned it earlier than 55 minutes in, but uh, he made his Mets debut against the Marlins. Six innings pitched, four hits, two earned, two walks, four strikeouts, 
fine quality start, 10 whiffs on 87 pitches. Fastball velocity for Taiwan Walker in the start, up two miles per hour to 95. It was his highest average fastball velocity in a game since June 21st, 2017. His slider velocity was up three miles per hour in this start. You remember with Walker, he had Tommy John back in 2018. Then he had a strained shoulder capsule in 2019. He might just be getting his velocity back now, two years later. So I wasn't interested in Walker coming into the season, but this kind of opened my eyes. I I just, it's not like he was getting a, uh, 10, how, how many whiffs was it? How many whiffs did he get? 10 on 87 pitches, which is yeah, fine. Yeah, it's fine. He's never really been a great strikeout pitcher. He's never really been a great control pitcher. He had been a pretty good ground ball pitcher in the past, but he wasn't last year. Uh, he got good results in spite of it, but you know the XFIP was approaching five. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, good more velocity is better than less velocity, but in, I, I think I need to see... It, it impacted in like the skill metrics for it to really matter to me. I hear you, but I just, anytime I see t- some type of velocity jump like that, it, it, it does catch my eye. So sure. uh, Christian Vasquez had multiple hits. Uh, he has multiple hits in four of his last five games, including two homers and two steals. This is a catcher we're talking about. Uh, and he even has a start at DH. So the Red Sox very clearly value Vasquez's bat in the lineup. Speaking of the Red Sox, Eduardo Rodriguez made his return to the mound. He was at the Orioles, five innings pitched, three earned, zero walks, seven strikeouts, 10 whiffs on 79 pitches. Would you guys like to guess, of the 34 starts that Erod made back in 2019, how many times do you think he had zero walks in a game? I'm going to guess zero. One. It was three. Ah, right. We undercut your great stat. <laughs> uh, Chris, did you see anything from Erod here to highlight? Um, it was weird. I, I saw some people commenting it on, on Twitter that his velocity was down, but it, it was fine. You know, 92.6, 93.2 with the sinker. Uh, generally in line with where he was in 2019. He didn't really throw his fastballs at all. It was you know, largely change-up cutter. Um, I think he's, I mean, I think he's good if he's healthy. And this was his first, you know, start in a real game since the end of the 2019 season, he didn't pitch at all. He didn't throw at all last season, really. So, um, I think because he, I think he had COVID pr- pretty early on. It wasn't like in the July camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he developed myocard myocarditis. Yeah, which is a, a heart condition, and there was some concern that he would never be able to play again. So, all things considered, a pretty good uh, first start back. Um, is he? He's rostered pretty much unanimously, right? I didn't have the roster rate available, but I can pull it up for you. Uh, I I think it was pretty high, though. I think he was like a top 30 or 40 starting pitcher in yeah, 2018 and 2019. So, um, 86%. Yeah, in the rare leagues where he's out there, I think he's worth adding. Um, one other thing from that game, just want to note, Rafael Devers hit his longest home run ever, which is... Uh, How long was it? 452 feet. Oh, it was not... But the thing is, it's interesting because balls are tra- not traveling as far, even though the exit velocity is up, right. which is yeah. the thing. It's hard to wrap your mind around, but <laughs> that's the case. Yeah, it's 452 foot home run. We, we should probably mention that Nolan Arenado has kind of 
been Nolan Arenado the first week of the season. 345 batting average, 953 OPS. He hit his second home run on Thursday. Chris, you highlighted before we started that I think he's striking out a little bit more, but yeah. it's nice to see that the batting average and, and the power has been there so far. And, and how hard he's hitting the ball for me. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I it, it was not a good day for those early rounders who I added to a last-minute bust column, just to express I had some reservations about taking them where they're going, Lance Lynn being the other one. <laughs> I have less reservations today about Lynn and Arenado than I did on March 24th. And the thing is, like, his strikeout rate is 23.3%, which would be the highest of his career. It's 30 plate appearances. Right. So, like, if he had one fewer strikeout, his rate would be 20% which would be within 1.9 points of 2018, his current highest ever. So, you know, like, yes, he has a 400 BABIP. He's hitting the ball hard. So I I don't think you really care about that one way or the other. Yeah, and even more so than him just moving out of course field, it's you want to see how that shoulder reacted from last year because he was dealing with that injury. So... So far, so good for Nolan Arenado. Last but not least, Vladito, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Kept things rolling, went two for four with his second home run of the season. The calls of the pen. Let's get some bullpen updates. Mentioned Anthony Bass. He took his second blown save in three appearances. He allowed a game-tying home run to Jeff McNeil and a uh, very questionable bases-loaded hit by pitch to uh, that Michael Conforto leaned into. Uh, in deeper leagues, I will be adding Yimmy Garcia this weekend, who... Uh, has pitched four innings of one-run ball so far for the Marlins. I, Frank, I don't think you need to do that just in deeper leagues, Frank. I don't, I don't know that Bass is going to get the next chance. Yeah. Uh, even in shower leagues, you're about it. Yeah. I just, I'm not sure Yemi's very good, but yeah, that's fine. I, I would say the I, same thing about Bass. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. He's better than Bass. <laughs> I, I will point out the Marlins are one and six, and their starters have a 2.36 ERA right now. Oof. Scott, what was your bold prediction? Anthony Bass doesn't get two saves. Not even two saves, Frank. Yeah, he's blown two so far. Right? He may not even be one. Uh. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, you know, for as much as we were worried about him coming into the season, came in for a five-out save. He has not allowed a hit or a walk in all four appearances, uh, though three of those have come against the Pirates and the other one came against the Brewers. Not really I feel so stupid. Man, and... I wound up with him in, in more leagues than I wanted, Chris, and I was I was very scared about it, but I, I I just I stuck with it. I feel so stupid because I tagged him early on as an obvious bounce back candidate. He had like two bad outings at the start of the season, was awesome otherwise. And then he had two bad outings or three bad outings at the start of spring, and I was like, Oh, I don't know, I'm scared. Well, they were saying his delivery was messed up. Yeah, but then like his last point. He had allowed like one hit over his last five with like no walks, I'm pretty sure. And he's been amazing so far to start the season. And it appears, I feel really they, stupid. Fixed the deli- it appears they fixed the delivery. Yeah. yeah, I feel really stupid. I feel really stupid for not having more Craig Kimbrell. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano came in the seventh to face the top of the order. He gave up a game-tying RBI single to Shohei Otani. Then Julian Merriweather came in in the ninth inning. And he also pitched the tenth inning with a runner who started on second base, and he did not allow that runner to score. I'll say it again. Julian Merriweather is better than Jordan Romano. Whoa. No reaction. I, 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 I have look. zero opinion on whether he's better, like four innings or whatever, but... Let me let me retract that. He is better through three or four appearances this season. But every yeah, time, like... I, every time I have... They, go ahead. 
Okay. Every time they do this with Romano, uh, you get so many people insisting, yeah, but it's the highest leverage situation. He's actually the closer. Maybe Romano is actually the closer, but it sure seems like Julian Merriweather is the pitcher they like using in the ninth inning. So I don't think, like most teams right now, I don't think they have a closer. I mean, there's been, oh, what was the stat? I think entering today, there had been 45 saves in Major League Baseball. 45 different players had a save so far, and eight different teams had not had a save. So you can do the math on that. So um, everybody is the Tampa Bay Rays, basically. And the Rays, the Rays. have <laughs> only one guy with a save. Um, Hilarious. Yeah, like, I, I don't, I think Julian Merriweather is probably more likely at this point to get the next save, but, you know, I don't think either of them is particularly likely to get a lot of saves at this point. Yeah, I just kind of feel like Jordan Romano is viewed as the James Karinchak for the Blue Jays. So we don't even know how James Karinchak is viewed. But well, he was used in the seventh inning the other day in their highest he leverage. Was, he's only he pitched was. in Karinchak's only pitched in the ninth inning once, and it was for one out in a game they were losing three nothing. I don't yeah, know but, who the Cleveland closer is. I'm pretty sure it's not uh Karinchak. For I, now. I would agree, but nobody I don't know. Honestly. Yeah, nobody knows. Like, how many other... Like, Whitgren got the first save. He worked a seventh inning prior to that and was bad. Right, that's what I said. I don't know who yeah. the closer is, but I, I, Karen Jack uh, has been used least like a closer. Honestly, between the two bullpens, the way I rank them right now is... I still want to roster Karen Jack the most. But then Merriweather's probably number two for me, and Romano's probably number three. So... And then probably Whitgren and Class A. I would go Class A, Romano, Merriweather. Class Classic. number one. Yep. All right. Wow. Stick to your gun. Your flag. I. But I don't like. I, I don't necessarily want to like invest much in acquiring any of them right now. But you don't really have to with Class A. I, I'm pretty sure he's very widely available right now. Uh, for the Cardinals, Giovanni Gallegos was using the eighth inning in a three to one game. Alex Reyes allowed a hit, but picked up his third save of the season. For the Rockies, Daniel Bard came in with runners on first and second with one out in the ninth. He recorded both outs and picked up his second save. Rysel Iglesias struck out the side for his second save of the season, and it was against the heart of the lineup for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's just wrap up with to stream or not to stream for Friday for those in daily lineup leagues who are, again, if you have awesome pitching, you don't need to use these guys. But if you do want a streamer, maybe you'll use one of these pitchers. Johnny Cueto versus the Rockies in San Francisco. Yeah, maybe. It's, it's all right. It's you looked probably, okay in his first start. It's probably the best one here. Julio Thron at Cleveland. I don't uh, think so. I am starting him and not as a streamer in the Scott White Dynasty League, but that is not an endorsement. <laughs> 24 teamer, yeah. Uh, Kohei Arihara versus the Padres. No, nah. not yet. Taylor Widener versus the Reds. He is a Sparp, but no, like deeper NL only uh, points leagues. Rich Hill versus the Yankees. Nope. No. Joe Ross at the Dodgers. Yep. He Austin. is a Sparp, but no. But <laughs> keep an eye. I want to watch Joe Ross. I would. I would be intrigued. He's somehow only like twenty six or twenty seven years old, which just blew my mind when I saw that the other day. 
the leader of the Joe Ross fan club is Chris Towers. Last but not least, we got to get to Austin Gomber at the Giants. No way. Joe Ross is 27 years old. He is 17% rostered, and it should probably stay that way. For Chris and Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.